<sighs> Isn't it great, you guys? Aren't we so grateful for these beautiful examples? You know, it, what's cool is uh, Susie actually decided, uh, we, we talked together, she's gonna help me uh, with the message today. So, um, yeah. Thank you, babe. I, I'm yeah, so sorry, we've just honey. been figuring out how, do you, how do this works. Do you want to use these? Oh, do thanks, do honey. I appreciate that. So, let me just, um, I got your water. Yeah, do you have my yeah. notes, please? Yes, okay. right here. Thank you, thank you, Dylan. So, uh, actually, we were talking beforehand, and uh, Candace Cooler, who helps lead worship, uh, she said, so are you going to wear a uh, bulletproof vest today? <laughs> and, uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. We women love to vacuum in our heels, clean, clean toilets in our apron. Kidding. I, I will For say. those of you who K2 is not your home, this is not me. <laughs> I'm the worst domestic housewife on the planet, maybe. But I'm kind of digging this, you know, this little outfit here. He had way too much fun with this. I had way too much fun yes. with this. <laughs> he was like, oh, what if you dress up like this? Yeah, anyway. <sighs> oh, but then, I mean, go. it really is, actually. It, it is pretty hilarious because... When you, when you look at how our culture has changed, right? I mean, you've got these mm -hmm. black and white, you know, old school kind of uh, ideas of what a head of a family is. You got Ralph Cramden. And then, uh, come on, you guys, how many of you remember Mr. Um, Archie Bunker, right? Archie, here's your beer. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, thank you. That was actually really yeah. good. And so what's weird is it, it, with those guys, you kind of see this abuse of power. You know, this abuse of, 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 of authority. But then our culture shifted, and all of a sudden, the heads of families were guys like Homer Simpson, right? <laughs> or Al Bundy. How many of you remember Al Bundy, right? Oh, okay. Oh. All the guys were like, <laughs> I remember I get to sit around and do nothing. All right. But, but it's, it's crazy because they're really the two great pictures of the two extremes, I think, of what happens when we talk about being the head of a family. On one side, people can abuse the, that position, and then on the other side, some people abdicate that position. They abdicate the role, and they just sit back, and, and, and men and dads were just made fun of, you know, for years in our TV. So that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. Yeah, and as we, this is kind of a funny way to start out, but really, um, as David and I were preparing this and, and thinking it through all week together, it just really hit my heart how actually this is, a, this is a very heavy, difficult, emotional conversation to have. And we're, we're not even going to plumb the depths in the 30 minutes that we have together today. But we understand as we talk about heads of families, as we begin to talk about parenting and marriage and what this looks like for those of us who don't have kids, it can stir up a lot of emotion. And it does for me. I have to be honest, when we started talking about, especially this one, Heads of Families, for me, this is um, one of the most difficult things God has ever called me to do. And I have been submitting my life to him for, I don't know, 34 years or something. But the call to lead in this way and help be the head of a family as a mom, um, the sacrifice, the um, 
the difficulty really and and what happens with us because it's so difficult to be the head of a family or the head of something the way Jesus calls us to is human beings because we're so messed up swing one way or another hmm. it's so much easier to swing over here and abuse the responsibility or the authority God's given me and lord it over people it's much easier to do that than to live in the place where we're gonna talk about today. It's also easier to swing this direction and abdicate the authority or the role that God has given me because I don't want to do it or it's too hard for me. But today we're really gonna try to talk about what headship looks like, particularly in the family because that's the scripture we're teaching from. These men were heads of families. But um, a couple things here, no matter who you are in the body of Christ, God has given you gifts and talents and there's some influence that you have. So whether you're a Life Together group leader, um, married without kids, um, single and involved in the community here, we're hoping that God will take pieces of this. We're trusting the Holy Spirit to filter it for you and to speak to your heart, really. Um, because hey, that's what we're all longing for. Yeah, just real quick, seriously. Like, if you don't have kids yet, but you think someday you might, I, I tell you, that was, that's one of the biggest things we can tell you, which mm -hmm. you'll learn from our story, is how unprepared we were mm -hmm. <laughs> before we ever had them. Mm -hmm. So if you're even thinking about having them, take notes now and get ready for this kind of stuff. If you're an empty nester, I can tell you, 52 years old, my dad still influences me. There's mm -hmm. still a role that, that will never be there. So there's stuff for everybody in here. Mm-hmm, yeah. And we're just, uh, we're just really trusting him because by the end of our time, our brief time together, we're really hoping that something, <clears throat> God does something in your heart. Um, we're going to close with a great time of worship. And really our focus starts out with Jesus and how he's the head. Um, so we're, gonna we're just going to pray and dive right in. And this is, you know, we haven't done this together for a while. So just bear with us as we kind of clunk our way through teaching together and sharing because really this was done very much on purpose because we want you guys to know in our home we are we are a team this is a team deal everything we do in life whether it's leading this church or leading our kids um, we just do it together that's who we are so to be up here is is very natural in that sense so I'm gonna open in prayer and then cool. hand it off Father, thank you so much for all the faces out there, the people that represent lives, that represent families, that represent um, stories. So many, so many stories happening. So, so God, whatever is happening in each of our hearts, I pray that right now in the power of your Holy Spirit, you would visit us, um, speak to our hearts, I pray that you would re-articulate your scriptures into the hearts and minds of your people and help each person here to know if there's something you want them to know or to do as a result of hearing your word today. I pray that you'd make us alive to you, make us awake to your spirit, um, make us vulnerable to be taught by you, and help David and I to be clear as we need to be. May you be the one who gives us the right words in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
All right, so here's where we're going to start. <clears throat> um, Jesus, so in the scriptures, the Jesus, uh, it talks a lot about how Jesus Christ is the head. So, when we, so immediately when you think about, okay, so how can I be the head of a family? Well, then we're going to look to Jesus. And here's what's cool. He never abdicates his authority ever, and he never abuses his authority ever. It's awesome. He knows how to exercise his authority and express it through humility of service. So that's what we're going to do, okay? So I'm going to kind of, we're going to go th real quick through this, the, the Jesus part, but it's, it's absolutely crucial because we're getting our direction about how to be the heads of a family by watching Jesus, who was the head, okay? So here's the first thing you see. The head bears responsibility, okay? If you're the head, you bear responsibility. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. This is God. This is what's so cool, right? So in Christ, we get to see what God is like. And in Christ, we'll get to this later, you have fullness. It's amazing. Been brought to fullness. And here it is. He is the head. Okay? So Jesus is the head. And what is he the head of? He's over every power and authority. And so the very first thing you understand is if you're the head, you have authority. <laughs> You just, you have the responsibility of actually having authority. And so, and again, that doesn't matter if it's, as soon, so here's, right, as soon as you have a child, as soon as you bear a child, you bear responsibility now. You just do. So again, and if you don't have kids, some of you, in your workplace, somebody saw something in you and they put you into a position of authority. And now you've got it. You bear that responsibility. You have authority. And so that's the beautiful thing about Jesus, though, man. He says, when you receive him, you receive him as Lord. That's what he is. That means he gets to call the shots. That, that's the difference. Instead of me trying to figure out what to do with my life, Jesus actually goes, no, now I call the shots. And he owns that. He, he owns his, his love and care for me as the one who has authority for me. And sometimes he leads me by his spirit. Other times it's just, here's what the Bible says, and Jesus says it, and since he is the head of me, I just do what he says, all right? So that's the first thing. Jesus, when that happens, you will bear responsibility. Mm -hmm. And when God bears responsibility for our lives, we submit to him because we know that that's where our protection, our provision, our life is in <clears> him. <throat> the second thing he does, when he bears responsibility for my life as the head, he sets the direction. The head sets direction. He bears responsibility for us, and he sets direction for our life. Um, the, so uh, I'll just read the verse. Ephesians 1, 21, 22. And God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And Jesus... Um, Jesus told people, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He was very specific. If you're going to follow me, this is where I'm taking you. This is where I'm leading you. And what happens is many of us respond to Jesus. We like, I want you. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to follow you. And then we start living life. And that follow word... <laughs> doesn't happen as easily. We have plans for our lives. I have a vision for my life. I probably have a vision for your life too, if you know me well enough. I always say it. You Everybody guys ever heard laughed. That? There's more laughter because you know it. 
But I've always loved that because, you know, Campus Crusade, they have this thing and always said, God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. God loves you and Susie has a wonderful mm -hmm. plan for your I life. I do. Hang out with me long enough, I will have <laughs> visions for you you know nothing about. Um, and, and Jesus has taught me to submit those dreams for my friends because I see something in all of you that I'm like, oh, if you only saw yourself what you could be doing. I believe that with my whole heart, but God's actually the one who has the vision for your life. And he has the vision for my life. He also sets our values as the head of anything. What you choose to do with your time, your energy, sets up values. And again, Jesus is our head in this. Too many times, we let our culture define our values. Americans are obsessed with comfort, success, and reputation through social media. Those are not the values of God, period. And if we're going to live lives submitted to our head, he is going to be the one who begins to change what I value to what he values. And that's an entirely different ballgame. <laughs> cool. And, 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 so, and you know what's so funny about that, you guys, is I love the fact that uh, the Bible chooses analogies for us so that we can mm -hmm. simply, really clearly understand them, right? Head and body. Here's what we know right now. The head sets the direction. My thumb isn't setting a direction. You know, my knee and my leg, my nothing, nothing here is setting direction at all. This is, and my body is doing what? It's just following. <laughs> it's following the direction that my brain is telling it to go. And then it works. And that leads us to the next one. When you're the head, Jesus, he pulls everyone together. The, the head actually pulls everything together. So in Ephesians 4, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. So from him, okay, so from Jesus, from the head, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the beauty of what, this, of what the head does. It's the beauty of the body. So many individual parts to this thing, right? <clears throat> and, and they're all different. They all have different abilities. They have different purposes. They have different sizes. Some you can see, some you can't see. So it's, and yet, when every part of my body is literally connected to my head, it is, what the body can do is amazing. <laughs> I mean, if you really stop and think about beautiful dancers or ball players this afternoon, or whatever it is, the things that the human body can do, but they only do that beautifully, productively, and effectively, because the head is bringing them all together in a single purpose. That's what the head does. And so even right here, right in this church, so many different people, so many different gifts and abilities and maturities and faith and all that kind of stuff. And God looks at every one of you. Jesus looks at everyone and he says, you know what? If you would connect to me and follow me, I would join all of you together like this and you would do so much more than you could ever experience by yourself. This is never supposed to be an individual private faith. It's not. That's what the head does. Pulls everything together. All right? So that's what Jesus, there we go. So the scriptures tell us he bears responsibility. He has authority. So he sets the direction and then he unites everybody to fulfill it. All right. So now let's bring it home. And this is where I really want to encourage you. Grab your pen, grab your notes, write down some stuff. 
<clears throat> if you're a parent, if you're the head of a family, if you are the head of anybody at your company or your workplace, if you lead a Life Together group here, wherever you're the head, you can stand out. And here's how. This is amazing. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ can, right? So again, if you're, not, if you're new to Christianity, here it is. Here's Christianity. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ, we get reconciled back to God and his spirit comes and joins our spirit, right? Look, um, look, the verse we read earlier said this, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. That word means completeness. That means you have everything you need. Why? Because his spirit is now joined with your spirit. You know what that means? You can be the head of a family with the power and the wisdom and the grace of Jesus Christ. All right? So, so let's look at that. Number one, what would that mean? <clears throat> it means that the head will bear responsibility. Okay? So, so again, I've already said this, but you have been given a position of authority. If you're a parent, you have it. Okay? Now, how do you know you have authority? Look at this. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says this. Children, obey your parents. Can we say amen? <laughs> okay, sorry for are my kids. kids in here? Are you guys in here? All right. Uh, first service. They were no, but there. seriously, but, but look at why. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so it may go well with you. See, let me just go back real quick. See, when Jesus says, hey, I'm the head, and I'm just asking you, would you just be the body? Would you follow me? You know what he's saying? If you will, it will go well with you. The same thing is true for our kids. So what this is saying is if you're a parent, the child's responsibility is to obey you, which means you what? You have authority. You just do. And if you have authority, man, it bears responsibility. It's actually really huge. Um, okay, I'm all, I messed up my notes. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to share how hard this is. Okay, for yes, me. you share. <laughs> yeah, you share how hard this is. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I get the fun part. No, we just, when we were preparing to teach this, like, it's beautiful to say that, <clears throat> you know, Jesus, when he fills you with the Spirit, he. He's in there, and as we step out to be parents or to lead anything, we bear responsibility and authority. Um, say that and live it as two different things. And what I discovered in my own life is I was extremely resistant to the authority and the responsibility that God was given me as a mom. Um, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to wander on this because there's so much to say, so I want to look at my notes. Um, Here's the deal, I entered into motherhood extremely uncomfortable as a mom. I had no confidence, I'd never changed a diaper or babysat. And if you know me, I'm more of a philosopher, and philosophers never make any decisions <laughs> about anything. They just talk about ideas, and I like to live in that world of ideas. And no lie, when my kids were um, preschool age, by 8 a.m., because they were early risers, all of them, um, by 8 a.m., I was done making decisions. 
I'm like, I have all day to live, and I don't care if you have more sugar. I don't care if you watch more TV. I don't know, because every minute as a parent, your kids are looking to you in those early years for direction. They need you to bear the authority of making decisions and holding that line of like leading them in that, and that responsibility and that authority was really hard for me. Um, and it wasn't hard for David. And, and that led to one of the hardest things in our marriage. Do I need to say more about that? Uh, I, I just think it was part of, again, just the struggle. When, you not, when you're not sure if you're right, okay, oh, yeah. then it's hard to, make a, it's, it's hard to make a, have any authority. And, mm -hmm. and so we get that. that that's, that's really tough. <clears throat> and it, it's not very easy when your firstborn is a good attorney and convinces <laughs> you that you're wrong every single decision you make from she, age three. I was going to say she was, she was yeah. good at three when yeah. doing that. But the other thing about Suze is she's super empathetic, right? So like many of you moms are, like really want to care and love and let's just, and then, the, but I'm telling you, sometimes your authority, kids don't like what you are saying. And when they rebel back, it's mm -hmm. like you just want to kind of keep the peace and let's, let's just love. Anyway. So, so here's the deal. So Suze and I, right, you get married and here's the point. I spent 18 years in a home with certain parents who groomed me a certain way. Susie grew up in a home for 18 years with parents who groomed her in a certain way. And then we came together and they were super different. And so what I would do though, is I would come home and I would see like Susie absolutely, she's done by 8 a.m. Hello, I get home at five or six. <laughs> she's a bit toast. running the house. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it really was, it was like, and so then I'm looking and then I'm going, well then you need to do this, right? And why aren't you doing that? And, you, and, and, and then that went over really well, guys, by the way, if you want to come to my <laughs> husband's seminar, I can help you on that later. Um, but, but, but literally, so what happened is because she felt insecure in that, as soon as I would say anything, man, her walls went up. I'll just tell you, man, this was the hardest thing in our marriage. Mm -hmm. This was a huge conflict for us. And then because I learned through my parents to just sweep under the rug whenever there's conflict, and I wanted to just be at peace with my wife, I would stop saying things. So then, you know what I did? I abdicated my role as the dad. And I let things happen that in my heart I feel like shouldn't, should not be happening. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do things that I thought should happen. And I didn't bear the responsibility as a dad. Now, what that meant was eventually Susie and I had to go into the tunnel of chaos. And that's what it is, man. When you don't agree on things and, it, and you're sensitive to stuff, but once we went in there, things finally began to change. But I, I'm telling you, 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 you have to do that. And it is not easy, right? I mean, and, and this is the thing, because you do, you want your kids to like you. And I, I did youth ministry for years. I saw parents. I see it all the time. Sometimes parents abdicate their authority because they want to get along with their kids. And I tell you, man, I, I remember, uh, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but when I got out of college, I finally apologized to my mom and dad. Anybody else ever do that <laughs> when you got older? And I, but I remember I was talking to them about my teen years, and I just said, hey, I just, but I just want to say thank you so much. Because um, my mom and dad were tough, man. They, they had no problem with their authority with me. And I didn't like it when I was a high school kid. But later on, I was able to say thank you for holding strong and helping me through those times. And I'll never forget what my mom said. She said, David, you have no idea how hard that was 
And I said, you're right, because it sure didn't look like you had any problem. <laughs> you know? No, I didn't say that. Um, but that's what I thought. But she said, you have no idea how hard that was. She goes, but I would stop and think to myself, if I'm going to be your friend, then who's going to be your mom? And I just want to say to some of you moms and dads, some of you need to stop being your kid's friend first. Friend's fine. You are their parent. And, that's, and it's a huge thing. That's the first thing. You, you have the responsibility now to lead. Amen. All right, the second thing the head does that we reflect, the head sets direction, so you as a parent or a leader need to set direction. The bottom line is, we're just going to say this, no matter what you do, you're setting direction, you're casting vision, and you're setting the values of your home, even if you never intentionally do so. Every choice you make about how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what you're asking your children to do, what you're leading your group to do is setting direction and values. So what we're saying is engage in this and actually do the hard work of sitting with your Father in heaven and setting direction. Sit with your God who loves you and you know from that source, what's the vision for our family? Who are we as Nelsons? What are we going to be like? What do, what do we want our kids to know when they leave our home at age 18? That is not going to happen by happenstance. What they will get is a vision for their lives that is entirely their direction. And I will tell you, kids will set the direction because as David shared first service, kids have authority. God gave each of us authority over our emotions, our choices, our attitudes, our desires, our bodies. We have a lot of authority, and kids are learning how to have authority over that and not blame everybody else for everything they do. And they will set direction because they have authority. Unless we do it intentionally, we set values based on spending time with Jesus, or we're just going to set values based on the culture. You just can't have it any other way. Values and vision is happening in your home. So will you do that as a child of God out of love for your kids, or will you abdicate that um, and you, to your you guys, decision? And, and I think it's so funny when we look back at Jesus and the world, right? So, we, I mean, we can look around the world, and the world is a what? It's a mess. It's a mess, right? Why? Because the Bible tells us there comes times when people do whatever they feel is right in their own eyes. That means there's no getting any direction from, from God. Uh, we all do whatever's right in our own eyes. Well, think about this. When you're parenting, if your kids do whatever is right in their own eyes, what are they going to do? We're going to eat candy for every meal, play PlayStation all day long, and stay up and never sleep, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the natural bent. And so, yes, you're, you're setting it, baby. And that's, and that's our job is to say this is what we value here. And, and this is what we're going to be like. And there's so many things. I love how Mike Rutledge said it last week, right, in the community message. He goes, for him, he can look at his kids and go, hey, man, we're Rutledges. And his kids know that's setting the direction. This is what Rutledges do. What is the vision for your family? Do you know? What, what are the values that your kids, and you guys know this too, right? Your kids are going to catch your values. They're not going to do what you say they are. They're going to catch them. <laughs> by how you spend your time, how you spend your money, and, and the different uh, uh, 
values that you get, all right? So, um, huge point, set the direction. Yeah. All right, last one is the head pulls everything together. So, as parents, all right, or, right, whatever you lead, as the lead pastor of this church, as a, lead, as a leader in your workplace, as a leader in anything, your job is to take different people with different ideas, with different skills and different abilities, and actually pull them together. That's the only way that any unit, any group, is actually going to function well. Mm -hmm. So the scripture said again, from him, from Jesus, the head, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So right in that scripture, there's just, uh, I think there's some few things for us. Number one, if, uh, from the head, we are held together. And I just want to tell you what, man, um, it's tough to keep a family together. I, 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 you know why God gave us brothers and sisters? We just, we have brothers and sisters, I think, just so we can learn how to fight. <laughs> Am I not right? I mean, that's just it. I, brothers and sisters, we just learn how to fight. So guess what? As a parent, as the head of the family, you're the one who has to actually teach how to do conflict resolution. If your family is going to hold together, then the head is going to come from you. And again, that's like, like for me and my family, we didn't have conflict. Well, of course we did, <laughs> but we were trained to pull up the rug and put it underneath and pretend it wasn't there. You know? And some of the rest of you, man, you just yelled and screamed at each other the whole time. It, and so, but... Again, we do both. What's that? We do both. Yes, we do both. We're, we're dysfunctional <laughs> on both ends. It's wonderful. Um, but, but here's the reality. You are setting the direction right there and how conflict's done. And it is your job to pull them together. Another one, every supporting ligament. The, from the head, every supporting ligament. The family needs to be the place of encouragement. Are you, are you leading that? Are you creating that type of environment? Are you actually saying, hey, no, you know what? We're getting together to do these things. Not everybody, everybody doesn't get to do just their own thing, whatever they want to do. And then it says, we grow and build itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, I can tell you this right now, man. No kid is waking up in, in, in your home and going, man, I can't wait to figure out the chores for today. Right? You know, and I put up this chart to make sure. No, uh, that's your job. And, and it is your job because you're a family. Everybody in there should be coming together. And it's as each part does its work. Same thing what God does with here, right here with the church. You guys, encourage each other. Work through your conflict resolution from Jesus. As every, each part of you does your work, we come together. This is God's will. So here's the deal, right? You bear responsibility. So here's Jesus and you and me. You bear responsibility, you have authority, you set direction, and you pull everyone together. And I just want to say last one last time, don't abdicate that role. It is your role. But here is the beauty of Jesus, right? Because some of us, we love that role, <laughs> and we abuse that role. Okay? And so Susan's going to take us into this next key thing, the last thing that we need to share with you. Yeah. Unfortunately, in our world, um, power and authority 
though it's abdicated a lot, is too often abused. And in fact, as we titled this Heads of Families, because that's what was in the scripture, I knew my own spirit cringed. Like, um, and you picture this lording it over, um, this, this stance of, hey, I'm the boss. You do what I do. I do, and I'm the boss. There we go. Okay, sorry. If you have ever looked at Jesus, if you know Jesus in here, you know the last thing he did with the men he was leading, the last thing he did before he went to the garden. They were sitting around having dinner. I can't tie that. I'll just, you know. He got up from the table and he put his apron on. No shame. He wasn't ashamed of this. This wasn't a place for him of embarrassment. He put his apron on, he got down on his knees, and he did the dirtiest job in the house. Why? Because he so loved these men, and he knew that if they would learn to give their lives away and sacrifice and serve and love others as he did, it was the best thing for their hearts. Look at this with me. Thank you. I need my glasses. Sorry. <laughs> John 13. He said, you call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so. For that's what I am. If anybody in all the universe ever had the right to say, I'm the boss, it's God. It's Jesus. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. You know, Philippians says that Jesus humbled himself and emptied himself of everything and to the point of death as a servant of us and his Father. So how do we, as heads of families, as heads of organizations or friend groups. How do we do this? Jesus Christ laid down his life in love, and you do not lord it over. This is the um, Mark. He called his men together, Mark 10, and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, so antenna goes up, this is the way it is natural in the world. Those who are leaders lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. That's one of my favorite things my Savior has ever said. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In the world's eyes, this is not glorious. What I do in our home gets very little applause. But in God's eyes, this is glory. Giving your life up and sacrificing as an authority, as one who bears responsibility does the hard work of sitting with Jesus so you can set the right direction, and does the unpopular work of bringing everybody together 
That is love, and it is service, and is not glorious, but it results in glory. So what's, what's awesome in this passage is it says, whoever wants to become great, see, that's standing out. That's not lukewarm. That's not mediocre. That's not normal. If you want to be great, if you want to stand out, then he says, if you want to be first, that's, a, that's another way that the word head is actually translated. So if you want to be the head and you want to be great, then you lay down your life. And you guys, I'm telling you, this is just, this is not human. This isn't normal, okay? It's partly why we believe in Jesus, because he never abdicated his authority. He does set the direction for my life. He is the Lord and calls the shots of my life. But I want him to, because every time he does it, he does it for my good. Never for him. He does it for us. I mean us, like that my relationship with him is always good. So you know what, here's what I know. I'm sure almost all of you in this room would say, I love my kids, man. I love my kids. Then love them as the head, like Jesus loves you. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our kids. Mm -hmm. Susan, I talked about this. Here, here's the truth. Lots of times we do, we come in and we go, you know, you need to do your chores. But you know why I want you to do your chores? So I don't have to do them. <laughs> right? Or we come home and we're really angry and we start disciplining and training our kids. Why? Because, you know what? They embarrass us. Sometimes we discipline our kids because what you just did embarrass, it makes me look bad. Amen? It's actually really about us. And sometimes our kids actually infringe on the comfort of our life. I've worked really hard and I come home and now you're doing, how come you didn't do the dishes? You know, I, this, I shared this with first service. When I was 30 years old, I remember sitting there thinking, I have, this is kind of weird, but it's true. I remember going, I don't know if I've ever actually really been angry 30 years of my life. And then I had kids. <laughs> and I found out, oh my God, no, there's tons of anger in there. I just needed someone to push the right buttons, right? Don't listen to me, right? Cause me not to sleep. Infringe on my plans and my life. And, and next thing you know, you find out, I am so ridiculously selfish, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal. There's tons of ways you can serve your kids, but to serve them with authority, you have authority, and yet you serve them. That means you do things for your kids that they don't want to do. You train your kids. Your kids don't want to be trained. But if you're, you'll serve them by doing that. I remember my mom was a piano teacher, man. She made me take piano lessons. And I'm like football dude, right? I remember being an eight-year-old kid, and all I wanted to do was play football. And my mom made me sit at the piano for a half hour every day. <laughs> exactly. And, I, and, and this is not true. I used to sit on the piano bench and cry for a half hour. And she'd be like, if that's what you want to do, you're going to sit there for a half hour. I mean, she was amazing. I mean, they, I remember I was, I was at the U game last night watching the marching band. I, I played football, and my mom and dad made me be in the marching band. What? 
You know, it's just, they, they, they made, see, my mom and dad, they made me do things that I didn't want to do, and sometimes that's what it means. Disciplining, engaging your kids in things that you don't want to do. How many of you dads have played Barbies before, right? You know? I just thought that somebody's like, you know. But here, here's what it is. You love them like Christ loves us, and he serves us. He does for us what we don't want to do to help us become who he wants us to be. You lay down your life. And here's what I just want to say. Go ahead. Can I you just got say something? one yeah, thing real quick? Yep. Because I want to tie in what you said was so powerful. I want, I want you guys to hear this motivation piece. You can go home and serve your kids by right. taking authority and, you know, leading and setting direction. But if you don't have love, you're a clanging gong and just an empty symbol. Your motivation of your heart, you and Jesus know. We don't know that. You could go home and do all the right things and come up with a couple of things to do based on this sermon, but if you are not serving them for their good out of love, you are missing the point. This is not about action, although it is about action. Every, sorry, let me rephrase that. What you do as a result of today is between you and God, but what you may need to do is confess that you are struggling with selfishness and anger and bitterness towards your kids because we all struggle with that. So we might as well confess it. If that's you today, confess that and then let God show you the path to submitting to him in serving your family or those you lead in the proper way because I guarantee you it's harder than you ever imagined. So. Yeah. And you that's know, it, why we need Jesus. <laughs> it is why we need Jesus. And so to be able to confess to him, it's like, man, some of you do. Your day, your, today you need to tell him, I have abdicated my role. I, I have not been the authority in my home. The truth is my kids are running this place. And it's not good. It's not good for them. It's just like when we try to run the world, we screwed up. It's not, what our, it's not our role. It's his role. So, and, but some of you also need to confess that you have totally been abusing your power. You, you've been abusing your position. Either with your wife or your husband or your, or your kids. And you just need to tell them, it's like, you know what? I have not been doing this to serve them. I'm using my position for my own. That's not, that's not Jesus. And here's, 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 here's the point. I'm telling you, man, hardest thing ever for me. I need him. I need the spirit of Jesus inside me. But that's what I have. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's true. You can have strength. You're going to have to have faith. But his grace can come and give you strength to rise up and not abdicate your role. And God's beautiful, hum, humble, the beautiful picture Susie gave of his service, he can give you that heart too. And I'm telling you, man, if you stand up and are strong, if you do it with gentleness and humility, everything will start to come together in your home. That's how God designed it to be.